0: Hello and welcome to episode 233 of The Crate and It is the 5th of April 2018. My name is Chris Thurston and tonight I'm joined by Alex Wiltshire. Toot toot. And Tom's... C- <laughs> C- fuck. Uh, i again. Tom's... You threw me with the toot toot. <laughs> <laughs> Tom C. Fuck. The <laughs> <laughs> perverted Mystery Tom- Crate and <laughs> The mystery
1: perverted Tom. <laughs> Tom C. Fuck,
2: John C. Riley.
0: No, it's Tom Francis, and let's just keep going. There's no, there's no way back from that. Oh, it's fine, <laughs> we'll be writing this one out. Uh, Tom Francis, hello. I'm here also. Hello. <laughs> Not the the rogue third Tom. <laughs> Mystery Tom. Yeah, Tom C. Fuck. <laughs> Is it seed fuck or? Uh, I was C. I started fuck. to say senior and then corrected myself. Fucks in the sea. <laughs> only he can tell us when he returns <laughs> from the sea Tom Seed would be a Far Cry villain
1: as I was thinking yeah. yeah, he's the one that has a lot of sex
2: <laughs> we
0: should maybe jump See,
2: sex would be a double bowed I guess <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't, oh I just spilled uh, gin all over my trousers this so is so going a well in <laughs> <laughs> the bad news guys is we don't really have any news so um <laughs> <laughs> from, so news. straight
1: on with the swearing and the <laughs> spilling
0: yeah i think maybe the last time i think you're on the podcast alex it, it was a shambles as well at the end <laughs> <laughs> so I, think so it, I think
2: it is definitely me
0: i think we are in continuity with whatever part of the wiltshire verse
2: you start with a toot toot you're cursing the whole podcast <laughs> you're setting <laughs> a tone you threw me with that
0: single syllable i'm, I'm like some kind of mancurian candidate kind of fuck up phrase it,
1: it, it's pro you're programmed yeah
2: exactly it's <laughs> oh, a, a, pol- <laughs> a trigger friends we do a two to trigger
0: phrase. exactly we <laughs> <laughs> just assume no one else will ever say it <laughs> exactly the train goes past or I watch the of Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> don't kill God my president. sex let him watch Thomas the Tank, <laughs> Tank Engine oh good so as we mean to go on then uh, cheers <laughs> um, cheers should we do a podcast about computer games <laughs> yes alright good um so, I understand that you guys have, have, both been playing Far Cry 5. Why don't we return to that first? Because mm. we obviously talked about it last week, mostly in the pejorative. But nonetheless, Tom, you keep playing it.
2: Yeah. Actually, Alex, you had a, probably a more positive experience with it than I did. And I'm taking my jacket off, so why don't you talk?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I played it very intensively over the course of three days, but, um, I was reviewing it for, uh, Shotgun, and, um, I, th- you have that sort of, sort of non-stop kind of onslaught feeling to it. Mm. Um, What I was really interested in is how the intensity of the game kind of sort of reduces massively. So I've finished the campaign now, so I've liberated all three of the regions. And everywhere is really quiet now <laughs> not getting attacked by people in cars at all i drive along and i see a car and i kind of get a bit hopeful and jump out and get a gun and Are it's you like,
0: content oh
2: no
1: i lost all my content <laughs> it's just wolverines <laughs> all the could, way um, down
2: now <laughs> you can reset it though right the outpost master option yeah you can yeah like i
1: don't know what that happens to the general world state. i don't know if everyone everyone comes back uh i expect I remember, so that's how it generally worked in the previous games isn't it
2: I remember this being how it worked in Far Cry 3. I don't remember noticing it in Far Cry 4, but it, yeah, like the more outposts you, like it would not only fill the outpost with friendly people, but they would also have like friendly cars driving around yeah. as well. And then you'd just have more people on your side and you'd make it more, uh, tranquil. It, for a time, it seemed like the more you Liberate a region, the more they ramp up the attack. Yeah, ability, like but that's, but that's more
1: related to your, uh, the gauge thing, the kind of like how angry or irritated the, the boss is, <laughs> is about you doing stuff. Because once they're gone, uh, they're right. You, the, the plane goes away and, and so on that starts hunting you. And what the weird thing about it is that, is that as I become more and more lethal, like the challenge of just being in the world has kind of plummeted. <laughs> and so, I was playing last night, yeah, two nights ago and, and I was kind of a little bit bored because, because there were loads of little side quests and things to do, loads of bits and pieces, like those prepper stashes and things. Um, and I was just going to them without anything getting in my way. And it felt really, um, weightless and really kind of, hmm. and I, which is kind of a shame because I was definitely really annoyed with just how much <laughs> things were getting in my way when they were getting in yeah. my way. And then I completely missed them when, when they were gone. And I, it just led the, the fact that they were never really found a sweet spot kind of disturbed me a little bit in that, uh, you know, I can appreciate that the, they don't, they want to put some friction in front of you. So you don't kind of just rush out into the world and kind of experience it all too fast. You mm. know, they want to slow you down a bit. You know, they want you to kind of, for it to be, to, to be some sort of something in front of you trying to, to, to get to the, the next obvious thing to do. But, um, but, but, but that felt irritating back then, and now it feels, yeah, that weightlessness.
2: Hmm. Huh. I got, I started going, uh, more lethal. Well, I guess I'm always lethal, I think. The game doesn't really distinguish, right? Like, the takedowns look non-lethal, but I don't think it actually tracks whether people are dead or alive. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I've gone less stealthy lately because I discovered that, um, it has this companion system, and you can pick, uh, up to two companions. And there are, I think, like nine story com- companions, like who, like characters you meet through the story who then you can have following you around in the world and they have special abilities. They have sort of unique abilities that make sense to their character and um, that have been hand designed just for them. But then you also have like three slots for generic buddies, like just NPCs that you meet and talk to. And those like have different classes. And I noticed, I heard some of those early on, I noticed that they have two skills, but they don't sort of unlock until they get a certain amount of like kills. Um, and so I was just curious about what those were, and so I just brought Rocket Launcher Lady and Shotgun Man along with me um, as my two companions. And of course, stealth is not really an option at that point, right? yeah. whether you want it or not. That's not going to happen. So we just parade through the. As you went hunting, I was just like, I, I mean like I'm just going to look at a bear and just point to it, and it just explodes. And, then and those skills are actually um uh quite interesting. Like the Shotgun Guy got a perk where. His shotgun shells will sometimes set things on fire, so when he's firing, it'll just like create total havoc. Um, and then the RPG lady got one where if she heal, if she, if I'm taken out and she's the one who brings me back, I come back at full health. And then she got another one that was like uh, she recovers faster or something. Um, and then the shotgun guy, his second perk was that he can resurrect. Uh, veterinarian is the name of the perk. I guess resurrect is not the right word. Uh, (laughs) Revive. Uh, and my, my usual pet, if I, my usual companion, if I'm, uh, just playing like an outpost, I'll just take the dog because the dog tags people for you, um, and stays in stealth. The dog brilliantly avoids detection, uh, or avoids alerting enemies by the fact that he's just a dog. (laughs) So they see him, (laughs) like there's a dog running around, but they're just like, oh, it's just a dog. (laughs) So uh, he never blows my stealth, which is great um and so then suddenly the idea of like having a second companion who can revive my dog is actually quite interesting like a dog medic mm. did you there's, pe- theft, there's
1: peaches the cougar who's also
2: stealth yeah i just that. That. <laughs> um Peaches does not appear on my binoculars menu <laughs> um so and i heard like i think the the bear you can't order it around or something or you can't tell it not to attack or
1: is that right uh you can definitely order it to attack stuff and it does, but I just I don't wonder, know. like,
2: when I, on my binoculars menu, it has like, shows you little pictures of the companions you can order, and right. it shows the dog, but it doesn't show the, uh, the lion. I hadn't noticed that. Actually. But it does, I do seem to be able to direct the lion to kill people.
1: It would kind of make sense that the bear would just kind of charge, kind of willy nilly <laughs> into an area. Should, if you order it around, it should turn to you and say no. <laughs> <laughs> I have enjoyed the. Um, uh, I did take Herc, who is the um, the RPG toting. He's um, like
2: the series one returning character, right? Yeah, he's been in all of them. So uh,
1: if you go to his his house, there are some boxes, and they're all marked the places that that he was in during his games. There's one box saying kairat shit. There's <laughs> one saying, uh, like I'd the area that caveman um, land, caveman land <laughs> and, um, and so uh, on. Eros? Uh, no. What's the one in, uh, t- three, uh, island, uh, Rook uh, Island. Of, yeah. 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 Right. And so like, yeah, that was qu- quite nice little kind of nod, but yeah, he's, he's just, you know, shoots immediately like <laughs> as soon as you order him to and then suddenly it's exploded and like i have nothing to do because he shot it with an rpg so i was sort of <laughs> I, I don't have to do anything because i'd kind of gotten used to i had um plane um plane guy who's one of the oh, first yeah. ones you get and he has a little sort of um seaplane and <laughs> i found him like Tom C Plane, <laughs> yes, oh, Tom C Plane. Uh, I found him incredibly slow to react, mostly because he'd be lining up a run and he's yeah. in a plane, um, and very, very inaccurate. So he would do bombing runs or strafing runs, and he'd miss what I was aiming at. He would like come cause- in
2: and then say, "No can do." I'd hurt a buddy. Like if there's friendlies around, he won't do the bombing. Oh, really?
1: That's interesting. I, I haven't I haven't used him for a while because I've been so appalled. But he's, I have quite enjoyed just how. Unreliable, he's
2: been. <laughs> I I call for him if there's another plane. If there's another plane hunting yeah. me, I want them playing exactly. on my side. <laughs> and yeah. Then I just kind of forget about them. Hopefully, sort it out amongst themselves. Yeah,
0: this is such a mad game. <laughs> and I, I'm almost like I am almost jumped. Like I can't. I really like the idea of the open world RPG. Pretty much where you have this kind of rotating cast of characters you swap in and out to solve particular problems. It's just such a weird fit for Far Cry in principle, right? Because you're a magic person and dog and vehicle summoning. I guess it's just just cause at that point, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
0: does have a feel just cause, actually. Like, particularly if you get in a plane or something and you
2: go looking for these grain silos that you... Um, yeah. Uh, they're big red structures. And if you see a big red structure, you blow it up and you get points for that. And um, I think it has the same system of, like, just general destruction and general yeah, doing... blowing up uh, shipment. All counts towards some trucks. big progress meter. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. And I think... But one of the things with the buddies is that that a few of them are really annoying. Have you unlocked the helicopter no. woman? She just continues. Woman's helicopter. Well, there are some quiet, quietish ones. I quite like the, um, uh, the, the, the bow. The dog is very quiet. The, the dog is excellent because it doesn't, yeah. But of the humans, the, the bow, the stealthy bow woman. Um, I found a generic
2: Jess, bow man, but I haven't found a says there's
1: Jess, the, the bow, uh, Person and she is, she's kind of, I found it really useful. She's probably, I've used her the most. She swears all the time. So she's quite funny to just say sort of fuck, you know, like it's good. You know, it's fine.
2: (laughs) Good one, Jess. (laughs) (laughs) Write that down.
1: (laughs) But then there's the, then there's the, um, uh, the, the helicopter woman and she just talks about sort of having sex
0: all the time <laughs> so it's
1: the woman who
2: says fuck and the world just talks about
1: yeah, it, yeah. it just, and yeah. it's just all the time and I was actually playing with my son which is probably alright because it's not that violent this game <laughs> and she was just just talking on and on about <laughs> stuff and is this like ambient so this is too ambient much, this is too wild much ambient chat and she does not stop talking and because <laughs> uh, because you can kind of get out of the range of i mean they come over the radio if you're out of range anyway but like usually when on um, foot one is telling you about whether they're engaging stuff or not but a helicopter pilot generally doesn't have much to talk about like <laughs> not in the same way they don't have the kind of it doesn't appear that an anyway. helicopter. she's just making cracking jokes about kind of sort of sex she's having, sex she's had, (laughs) sex she wants to have. And it's sort of, uh, this is too much, too much.
2: I'm firing you, sex helicopter. (laughs) You do, like, when you dismiss a buddy, because you can only have two at once, so um, if you want another one, you've got to dismiss one of your current ones, they... They have like a line about it, and they'll say like, "All right, see you later" or whatever. Um, but they're also they're still in the world. They have to sort of manually leave. And often I'm changing buddies because it's not working out with my current buddy in the combat situation I'm in. And <laughs> so I'm trying to get I'm out. Sorry,
1: but this isn't working out for yeah. me. Bang bang bang!
2: <laughs> like my two buddies are alive, and then I still see a revive icon, and I realize the one I just dismissed got <laughs> killed on the way out. Now we've got to go and save him. <laughs> I don't. Even, I don't think there's even like. I think there's no reason to save him actually, because dismissing him triggers the cooldown. That means you can't summon it's him again. It's much much shorter cooldown oh, on dismissing. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, are you
0: saying that the real far cry was the inexplicable gang of friends you <laughs> were forced to make along the way? And then- <laughs> <laughs> In some ways, yeah. <laughs> I was you've been enjoying
1: the um, outposts.
0: Yeah um
2: and i usually just use bow and, and rocks but um bow and rocks bow and rocks So <laughs> how i play far cry uh, you know that's a, that's a real
0: far cry protagonist name as well <laughs> <laughs> or villain name
2: um and but i have dabbled with silent sniper rifles i remember far cry 4 i unlocked the silent sniper rifle which is i think quite difficult in that game it's quite a high level thing yeah and then when I got it, I realized I could never use this again because this just makes it trivial. <laughs> like
0: yeah, yeah, now I can yeah. take
2: out anyone from any range uh, without alerting anyone. Um in this I haven't found that too much. Uh, the sniper rifle you get early on is I think not super accurate, not super long range, but uh, I have enjoyed using it because uh, one of the things you can't do with a bow very really easily is take out two people who are very far away from you. Like you might get a shot on one of them, but getting the second shot while the other one's moving at that range is really uh, not practical. So what I've been doing is with the sniper rifle, I will figure out which one it's going to be easier to snipe and then look at the other one, tell my dog to go get him. <laughs> and the dog, like I say, never breaks stealth um, unless you tell him to attack someone. And he has really good... Uh, I might be wrong about this, but as, as far as I've seen, his rules are extremely simple and clear, which is if they are not alert, he kills them. If they are alert, he, they kill him. <laughs> like, he he can't take out an alert, an alert guy. Um, but if it's... If I haven't set off his arms, and usually haven't, uh i just send him after the guy on the left and because it's a long-range encounter like it takes him a while to get there and then i just have all that time to line up the shot in the second one wait 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 and when the dog's just about to jump on the other one shoot shoot the one i'm marking and then takes them both out really neatly
0: is that the kind of 30 seconds of fun that keeps you going through basically the entire game um
2: well more reliably it's just bow and rocks (laughs) shooting them with bow throwing a rock to distract them around a corner to get them alone shooting them through the head with a bow um, or doing melee takedowns which this time involve a spade which is a big plus Mm. Um, the spade can also be thrown into people (laughs) like it's treated like a javelin like they have javelin code from far cry primal because that was a big uh, part of the weapon set and so they just put a spade in your hand and you throw that and like sticks in walls it sticks in people you can chris livingston posted a great video where he just throws it up in the air like, directly up, and then waits, and then it just lands in the car that he's looking at. But interestingly, it's the wrong way up. Yeah, it's backwards. So, like, if it goes blade first into the air, then just falls back down the same way up, so the handle sticks and stuff.
1: And it's, it is, his has a smiley face on it, so it's got all these little that's a prestige of, um, shovel yeah the prestige <laughs> shovel so his car's got all these little sort of um uh semi-circular like little circular uh, smiley faces
2: and you can unlock a perk that lets you carry like 12 of them I think so
0: you can just have like <laughs> is that not just the same as primal then it, it's a
2: lot like <laughs> which no complaints from me that was a great thing but yeah hunting I found uh, you know a bear comes at you the the bow is not great for that The actual DPS is pretty low yeah yeah um, there's a lot of faffing uh spades though (laughs) if you've got 12 spades just throw them one after the other at a bear (laughs) you'll take it out
1: (laughs) yeah i found it i i did i invested in a one of the rifles it's not a full sniper rifle but it's got a a kind of a nice scope on it which is kind of is fine for medium and even close up in a, a pinch uh, and then fairly long range stuff, and um, I did feel that it was a bit too powerful, and I was a bit—I just used it all the way through, <laughs> and it's really good and totally silent and incredibly. And but it's such a—the feel of getting hits is, and and the feel of bullets kind of kind of striking stuff. There's a little thwack, that like a delayed thwack, which is actually really mm. good at communicating <laughs> so I, I,
0: I remember you saying, Alex, elsewhere that. Uh, this was your favorite Far Cry outpost simply on the strength of the guns. Yeah. How so? They've always had quite good guns.
1: Yeah, it did. But I think that it's the, it's the precision feel of them. I think that I always found like, I think Far Cry 2 for me set this kind of precedent in the series of, of things being a little rickety, mm. a little bit kind of quite sprayy, mm. not totally reliable, which I think totally supports the Far Cry kind of. Feel, I think that that is the right choice I think but it d- did mean that I know that three and four definitely tighten them up a great deal but I've, I don't know I always felt that they were just they were never really nice to, to, to handle mm. um, as much as that was fitting. Um in this they just they seem to have gone just full clancy but they feel like precision <laughs> you never hardware. go full clancy <laughs> <laughs> like they're very kind of like this this silenced um I think it's an M16 or something that I'm using you know I uh, have it on single shots if you if you throw full auto it's very un, very very spray indeed but but single shots it just sort of purrs the, sh- the bullets out of it very very <laughs> very immediate and very kind of You know, it just, it, it, it just feels really precise and responsive. And that, taking that into outpost, you know, doing the scoping beforehand, taking out the snipers and then moving in to do all this close stuff, sort of, I repeated it over and over again. I think there's something in the outpost physical design as well. I Mm -hmm. think that, uh, I think it's interesting because I, I didn't play that a lot much of four, which meant that the last Far Cry I played, a lot of was three, and that's quite a few years ago now.
0: No, it's about five years ago now.
1: So my most recent menu, memory is Primal, which completely, you know, is obviously totally different, a very, very, very different feeling game. And so um, coming into a Far Cry uh, outpost, which are tight domestic spaces, you know, with desks and, mm-hmm. you know, low cover, high cover, kind of squared off parts, rooftops, um, ballast, you know, balconies and and that sort of thing. Um, I found the variety just really great. I think that that's something for me that Primal lacked because it had to make everything organic. So you've got like a cliff face with a bit of a ledge on it and you've got a <laughs> hut. You can't really do a multi-story hut. Cause- As you're
2: saying, like it didn't have much variety. I was saying, what about the cliff face? <laughs> 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 cliff faces?
1: Yeah, but it's like, you know, you you just don't get the kind of like sudden... Variations in form that you get right. in a modern setting, I think. You know, you, you can put a grind solo next to a, next to a, like a, a bungalow, which is next to, you know, a, a field, which is next to, a, You got um, yourself a farm. <laughs> you get a full farm. A bare yeah. farm. <laughs> So yeah, I, um, one, I I think that's that for me is probably the it's the variety of the spaces with the responsiveness of the weapons.
2: Mm-hmm. Those are very like themed, aren't they? They're mm-hmm. very much this is the train yard and here's yeah. what it does in the in the uh, like here's what the cult are using it for right now and here's why you need to take it back. Yeah. Um and then there's like a dock and and yeah, most of the ones I've liberated have a very particular fictional theme and then it's it's designed around that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've enjoyed that actually. Yeah. Um, you know, finding a load of Dead wolves on tables. <laughs> you just sort of go, huh? You know, actually, because a lot of the light posts in Far Cry, they're sort of all the same. They're yeah, of, compounds, right? They are a compound it. with, yeah, yeah. The, but this is oh, there's something to actually, uh, you know, discover about them other than simply the battle combat.
0: Mm. 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 Yeah, it feels like Far Cry is secretly a game about a bit like Diablo or something like a kind of fundamental core thing that is nice to do. Which I probably also say about Destiny and a bunch of other games like that. It's just Sort of inexplicably not that kind of game yet. Like it almost, it almost feels like it'd be the easiest thing in the world to bolt a loot chest onto the end of every outpost, call <laughs> it an RPG and just let you go. But it's weirdly enough,
1: it suggests that kind of like Far Cry 2 got it right with the restocking outposts, you know, because, because, yeah. you know, you could see I just don't... I can't feel out whether it would be that as frustrating as 2 felt, you know. But having this sort of, you know, an active kind of front and mm. that shifting around as as play happened without you just clearing the the map, which is what happens, you know, now.
2: The option to repopulate the outposts um, was added in a patch to Far Cry 3. Far Cry 3 was, you know, unlike 2. They don't respawn. It made a big deal. If you capture the territory, you get to keep it. And then... Pretty quickly people said, Hey, but that makes it really empty once I've <laughs> conquered them all, so they patched it in the option to to repopulate all the outposts and they've had that ever since. Mm.
0: Yeah, it feels like that the assumption that you wouldn't do that is based on the fiction rather than the actual game they made, which is really interesting, right? Like if you play Diablo, to go back to that example, you assume that the goblins will return. Because it's kind (laughs) of what they do is kind of make sure there's always something for you to fight in a fun way. You would never expect Diablo to go, like, I'm really sorry, they've all gone. (laughs) You've killed all the goblins. Yeah, they're gone now. They're terrified. Like, they're terrified of you. You won. Congratulations. A
2: bunch of nice goblins, rebel yeah, goblins, yeah, yeah. have populated the place.
0: Uh, they're driving their jeeps around. <laughs> I'd actually completely play that game. In fact, I would be more interested in Far Cry if it was some sort of strange quasi fantasy world. Like sort of, like Far Cry Run would be incredible. Like, and actually get around all of the problems. Like, it would explain why wolves are magic. Because they're only magic in one context, and that's basically D&D and derived products, right? Yeah, that'd be great. What if? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Come on, you. come on Ubisoft. That's basically Shadow of Mordor, right? Like, it's not that <laughs> yeah. far off. Somewhere between Far Cry, Shadow of Mordor is the game where you're like, fucking gung-ho, all guns, radagast. Hey, Shadow of Mordor sold really well. Uh, or Shadow of War. Uh, Shadow of of War (laughs) (laughs) Shadow
2: of War was the most recent one, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. That was in uh, the Steam Spy Guy did a talk at GDC and I didn't see it but I've been catching up and I just looked at his slides and like the list of the best-selling games of
0: 2017 Um, it was like number nine or something. Oh, wow. Uh, See, then there's my idea. Didn't they just um, unilaterally strip out all loot chests from the game as well? Yeah,
1: that's some news. That is news. Good weather in the the end. Yeah,
0: 20 minutes (laughs) in. Cool. Um, Uh, the, The... I love
2: reading these retraction statements. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> like when they took out the real money auction house from Diablo, like the um, mm. the their reasoning for doing it is like almost word for word what I said to them at a preview event to show the game. Like, isn't that going to rob the how special it is to find these items? And they were like, I think that the, the frustrating thing was like that they had to claim that wasn't the case. They didn't believe that when yeah. clearly the game designers did believe that. And the money men said, "No, you've got to do mm. this because we'll get a cut of the profits." And you're saying for these loot chests, like them them explaining why? Oh, we we cut out the loot chests because actually they they take away from the value of get, of earning these orcs through you know yeah um, you don't want to find them recruiting off the recruiting them and stuff like yeah we know <laughs> <laughs> like any idiot could have told you that was the point of your game. This can't be a revelation to
0: you. Yeah, yeah, we we took this out because um, we feel that people might develop an unhealthy uh, spending habit around them and uh, <laughs> might yeah like
2: almost certainly the reason they took them out is. People didn't buy them very much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we thought, <laughs> yeah. like, we knew this was going to ruin the game design. But we thought it would also make us a huge amount of money. Didn't make us a huge amount of money. So. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah, Far Cry is free of that kind of thing, is it? There are
2: silver bars.
1: In oh it. no! No, so, it hasn't got loot chests, but there are. There is a cust- There is a purchasable currency in it.
2: So I have found some silver bars in game, mm-hmm. and then I also got the option to buy silver bars with. Actually, no. I suppose I've just seen the option to buy silver bars. I assumed it was with in-game currency, but perhaps real currency. Real money. Huh. Quite expensive as well, by the looks of it. And the 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 spade with the smiley face on it costs a thousand silver bars or something
1: yeah is it available it's, it's but it's available for for in-game money as well yeah it, they
2: all have two costs it's yeah. like a dollar I've cost shit and a, loads of money, you can pay so. the iron price or yeah. loot box price <laughs> <laughs> the
1: silver price. but that i mean that that is trading entirely on the whole kind of far Cry far cry arcade side because that's oh yeah what, what, what the hell is that because
0: oh, yeah, that that's really interesting
1: it's well it's what far cry has been done all along but but entered into more earnestly and kind of more with more focus so it is a full uh sort of level editing suite Mm. uh and you get to publish your games on it um which you've been able to do in far cry since 2 yeah um and i think the the editor isn't much different to what it's always been more or less they've put in a load of um assets from the UbiVerse, so you've got uh Assassin's Creed stuff and oh my god can't um, see things probably
2: but if I fire it up presumably like if I fire up arcade I also can play those things yep and is that is it all just user-made stuff?
1: Yep. Uh, there's, well, I mean, there's, Ubis- there's Ubisoft stuff as well, like, you know, they seeded it all to start with, but, but yeah, it's all user stuff and it's Because it keeps to-
2: telling me, like, every perk I get is like, oh, this perk also works in Parkour Arcade, yeah. so yeah. I'm leveling up my character for, like, playing yep. those things as well? Yeah. Weird.
1: And then there's the, yeah, and then there's obviously the, the, the kind of clothes and gear stuff that you can take in as well but and but usually the levels gun wise you generally given a certain guns or you've got to pick up guns from the level you know you don't get total freedom but yeah you take take abilities in um and they're all mental as you'd expect like a an island of bears an island of cougars an island of bears and cougars that's the range men, really you know. it's just you know so but you know Uh, there are multiplayer things and there are kind of uh, the equivalent of large scale outposts you know for the single player multiplayer stuff I mean I I haven't really played that much yet and I haven't done anything in multiplayer in it but you know because it's because it's so central well much more central to the game than before like there there are far greater arcades all over the world as you're playing the campaign you know know, the, the full game so you kind of
2: it's Which is weird. It's very odd, isn't You're it? They're playing Far Cry game and there's just a cabinet that says Far Cry on it and there's a guy playing it and he's like, this game's awesome. You can make <laughs> levels. <laughs> what the fuck is going on?
1: But then the the, 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 the graphical treatment of it is like, it's got this sort of, um, pixelated kind of front end. You kind of think, oh, what? This is some sort of like, I don't know, pixel game. But then you go back into the Far Cry world when you open it up. So it's all a bit weird, but, um, yeah, there's always a promise I don't know that I've found anything particularly amazing yet mm. but I'm sure there is
0: well then <laughs> what have you been playing Chris? so I, I, want to conf- I want to finish a trilogy of experiences in VR by talking about super hot VR um, so I remember ages ago when I think it was Graham sort of came across super hot back when it was just a kind of interesting FPS jam experiment fell yeah. in love with um and it's still great and i think um i said i think disparagingly and i would stick to this <laughs> that um at the moment vr for games has struggled to be anything else than like good light gun experiences really like i've i've been experimenting a little bit more trying to kind of experience lots of different things and um you know trying to make sure that i um uh in you know that i agree with myself basically about where i feel like vr is at at the moment and I think I do. So that's good news uh, for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I in, agree with myself in that, like, you know, so like the things I'd always really love VR to be able to furnish is like a sword fighting experience or something bows it can do, but it feels like there's such like a really specific set of verbs that VR can do really well. And guns is one of them, which is almost a shame <laughs> for games because it's like you have this, you embark on this new technology and it's like the best verb is the one we already had <laughs> like <laughs> the one we're kind of a
1: little bit guilty about in the first place
0: <laughs> yeah and like like you know i can give you the example there's a there's a strategy game i had a free weekend recently on the oculus store because i've been using oculus touch for all this called brass tactics I don't know if you've played it or seen it yeah. um, lovely idea really lovely idea it's a vr real-time strategy game uh it sort of plays somewhere between like um it's stripped down in ways in similar to um a kind of clash royale type kind of stripped down quick strategy thing but but more complicated. So like rank back up again in terms of complexity. And you are a, so I'm talking about a different game to illustrate a point, but a different game, but we'll get there. Um, You are like a, a kind of a wizard in a kind of Arabian night setting, standing on a, in front of a war table in a tower in some kind of fortress. And that's, that's where you are physically, but the war table is kind of this living clockwork, a strategy map that sort of operates a lot like the intro sequence from game of thrones hmm. so when you add buildings they grow out of the ground and things and you drag yourself you float around the battlefield and you you know drag select units and send them against your opponent and you turn on your hands over like you're an artist holding a pallet to kind of pluck buildings off your hand and kind of place them on the battlefield and it feels great And it looks really, really nice. And there's, you know, it's nice to be able to play. It's designed for multiplayer. So it's nice to be able to see your opponent flying over the board and see where they're focusing. And when they beat you, give them a little thumbs up and and that kind of thing. That's, that's genuinely cool. Mm. But in pure game terms, in terms of like, is this a better strategy game than its peers, which are not in VR? The answer is no. Like it is a simplistic strategy game really at the end of the day. Uh, You know, it's not it's not competing in that it's competing really in the, in the field of pure VR novelty to some extent. And that's not worth preparing it because it's an experience, right? Like it's cool. Um, I couldn't imagine myself playing it all the time, but that's because it's a VR game. So you're not going to spend three hours in it a day mm. getting really good. Um, I think At least I'm not because that's going to be how you learn to feel real weird and sweat a lot. Um, but that's what I going to talk about, like, that almost feels like the peak of, like, VR is, like, novelty bolted to a, 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 a competently executed experience. Like, it's a, it's a very competently executed game. Uh, there's nice effects, like, when your final city is being sieged at the end of the game, which is, like, the win condition, uh, you start to see, feel the explosions drawing closer to where you are, because you're in that tower like that's supposed to be representing where you physically are so cool things like that which are neat could be explored lots more i'd love to see something do that but it feels very much like if you wanted to play a competitive strategy game go play starcraft like go play a traditional game the reason i wanted to talk about super hot vr is it actually feels like um i like it more than super hot which is that's the first time that's happened for me where it's like actually the vr version of this um takes a game that i already really really liked and this feels like the definitive version of that idea and the way it's supposed to make you feel yeah. and i specifically zoom in on that because all games obviously you kind of want to make you feel a particular way and it's the first one that's made me not go oh this is a bit like something i'm familiar with but in vr and go like oh this is how this is supposed to be uh which is really cool and i'm glad it has one of them the reductive side of it is it's a light gun game in a sense like it's vr being really good at the thing vr is good at in terms of games but yeah, so the way it works is slightly different to so superhot if you're not familiar is a shooter almost like a puzzle shooter where you're dropped into a situation in a kind of stark abstract world of black intractable objects, white geometry and sort of um a kind of fractal red shatter men. Um and you uh you have to sort of solve that puzzle quickly, that combat puzzle whatever it is. It, helping you with this is the fact that time only moves when you move. Which means something completely different in VR to what it means when you're using a keyboard and mouse. Um, in VR, it really is everything you do—you're moving your head around, m- moving your hands, that kind of thing. Um, in on the in the traditional version, it's a WASD shooter. Otherwise, you run around and you shoot things and, and so on. In VR, it's more like um, sort of much more scenario-based. Like you get dropped in. Like you can you have full freedom of movement to the extent of your VR play space, but there is no movement controls in the VR sense where like a lot of VR games have like a teleport or something to let you move around. There's none of that. You are just in this scenario, solve this basically. And those scenarios are super cool. And actually I almost prefer this in a way, because it means that like you just have the elements that are in front of you. So most levels start with, like, you'll see, like, an object hovering in, in, in space in front of you, and they use this to orient you. So you'll just see, like, a stapler hanging in the air, and you'll reach out and grab the stapler. When you grab the stapler, the world fills in around you, and now you're holding a stapler, and there's a man with a gun on the other side of a desk, and you just have to solve this problem. <laughs> and if, if you stay still, nothing happens. But sometimes that means, like, sort of ducking and chucking a stapler at a man's head in slow motion. And it's really, really, really good and yes. really fun. Yeah, I know you've played it, Alex.
1: Yeah, I played on the on the PlayStation VR. I what I like about it is that it's the sort of the the highly themed version of the you know those VR games where you've got to sort of fit your body through the advancing shape. Yeah, yeah, it's that, but um, but like with a really sharp theme and. I love the fact that your body, you feel very embodied in it because mm. these bullets are coming towards you and you can see them hanging in space just in front of your eyes. And you know that you've probably got time to duck, move your head out of the way. But like you have to figure out what shape to contort your body in and also coordinate it with maybe raising your hand up to yeah. to shoot at the same time because you want to to kind of put your avoidance and your aiming into one single sort of... Spend, expenditure of time. And it
0: even solves the VR problem of like fail states. Yeah. Because if you get hit, you get reset back to the start of the sequence of levels. So you often have to repeat chunks of it, yeah. which that kind of, that actually works because you get mastery through repetition in a way that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. But one thing that's neat is that like traditionally, if you get like shot in a VR game, you have not been shot. That goes without saying, right? Like <laughs> traditionally. Well, yeah, but like shot. this is, this is an issue. This is an interesting problem for VR shooters, right? Like you're embodied. So if I get hit, how do I make? How do I feel that? Like why? You know why should I care? Because I'm not. You know I'm embodied in a way that I never normally am in a game. I can't. But I, that means it's harder for me to abstract health bar onto the character I'm playing. I don't see a UI most of the time, right? Like, and so what's really nice is you get hit and there's good sound design around. Like you've just been hit and you have a moment to look around and you'll often look down and you'll see the bullet that got you, like. Just shattered in the in point of impact with your body yeah. and the trail leading from the guy who shot it.
1: And you go, oh. oh and that's
0: it. And you go like, oh, that was that was it. And then you <laughs> yeah. go back and you go back to that point. It's and to think and about next that time. Yeah. yeah, next time you get it right. Do you see your whole body? No, you can only see your hands. But you can sort of like it's quite smart about you can't see your body. But weirdly, it kind of knows, or like it's it's a successful illusion of having it like whenever I've been hit, I felt like, okay, yeah, that's a fair cop, like yeah. you know that that i will turn around, and yeah, there's a bullet in my physical side, but I'm invisible, <laughs> if that makes sense. I always wonder what happens if you like. If you stood on this windowsill and then like used a
2: system of pulleys to lie horizontally in your room so that your head was in the position <laughs> it normally would be, but your also is totally horizontal. And then if a bullet passes under you, like realistically it shouldn't have hit you. Game, yeah, I think at that point, at
0: that point you would have, you would have broken the game. <laughs> you played yourself. <laughs> yeah, <exactly.
2: laughs> yes, I had a bad experience. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but I've had loads of, yeah, I've had a lot of fun with it. And like, um, it does, because of the nature of the scenarios, because you're not teleporting around, you, Get, like, obviously, this comes with the caveat that nothing you ever do in VR looks cool from the outside. <laughs> right? You look like a bell end, and there's no getting around that. However, it feels cool, which is what matters. Yeah, you feel
1: incredible and you pick up so you have you know the, the ones where you've got like these wet like something on the black object that you can interact with and pick up on something in front of you and a gun and you're picking up the gun with one hand and you're picking up the other thing to throw it with the other hand and then you're shooting with your left hand and then you run out of bullets with that one so you throw the gun at them and it's you yeah. just think i am the fucking best. The best
0: one is like when you know a particular moment well enough that you know where stuff is in your peripheral vision without even being able to see it. Yeah. So you just like reach out sideways and grab guns that you can't even see. Mm. Like, cause normally like one of the things that's unrealistic about VR is you're so dependent on your eyes. Like in real life, you have all sorts of spatial awareness that come from um, like sound, even just your implicit sense of where something's going. Like you, you, you know, you have much wider peripheral vision than you do in VR. Uh, some of the VR kind of creators I've spoken to recently have pointed to not resolution, but field of view is the single biggest issue with VR at the moment. <laughs> that it's not how good the screens are. It's the fact that you're still locked to like this kind of 85, 90 degree band, which just humans aren't when we're used to something much, much wider. Um, but um, VR, you're very dependent on your eyes, which means that in games where you move around a lot, you're constantly having to look to recalibrate yourself and kind of understand where your hands are going. Unlike, it's like... um a lot of VR is like when you were learning to use a keyboard when you were a kid or whenever you used to learn a keyboard where you had to look where your hands were going. And then after a while, now you don't have to look at the gamepad to know where the buttons are. You don't have to look at the keyboard to know where the, the buttons are. But actually almost all VR games exist in that space 99% of the time because the only thing you have to go on. Because it's the only scenario where you often have to double check where your hands are because you can't <laughs> be a 100% sure. Whereas hot because it's about these kind of repeated little vignettes you train yourself to know that like, okay, I reach for the gun that's behind the counter. And then I swing around this guy and shoot him. And there's lots of nice little design touches. Like when an opponent is shot and drops their weapon, they'll almost always throw it towards you, which is purely a cinematic flourish. There's no yeah. like fictional reason for that to be the case, but it's perfect. Cause it means that you will shoot a guy and then maybe time stops. And you know that like, well, if time will advance to a certain point, that gun's going to fall into my path and I can grab it. And, and so on yeah
1: this you it's it makes it surprisingly natural and doable to um to catch stuff in midair
0: yeah and um it feels it feels great like i, I would really point to it as like certainly the best Ooh, <laughs> that was loud the, the best games experience i've had in vr and also um in a lot of ways the silliest because so the, the downside of the whole um time moves when you move thing is that it is a shooter like you know there are ai there is ai they do kind of the simplistic ai but they do do things and that sometimes means if you're in a gunfight uh let's say in traditional kind of waist high cover scenario you're ducked behind cover your opponent is ducked behind cover you're exchanging shots then in any you know in a normal scenario what you would do is fire over cover and wait and maybe wait for them to finish firing but because you are solely responsible for time this creates this amazing stupid but also kind of amazing scenario where basically you kind of have to dance if you want time to advance for example to the point where someone comes out from behind cover let's say you're doing the traditional shooter thing it's like i'm gonna wait till he peaks and then i will shoot him um the only way to get to that point is to like just make time pass and you know I've experimented with wave, the wave, like, or kind of like massaging, like a massaging motion with one hand. Beckham. You can, you can do anything you want. Like, um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's also melee combat. There's grabbing objects and hitting people with them, throwing them, um, punching. Uh, it's got good, it's got a good, uh, punching in the dick kind of physics. Um, that's, that's very entertaining to do. Um, particularly because people shatter at the point of impact. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, and, um, yeah, it can be very silly as well, but like, Sometimes, you know, i will do like a level where it just starts with someone charging you and you have to punch them when they get to you so you can kind of move on to the next part of the stage or something. And the only way to do that, um, I found that it, you know, the whole thing is sort of like a this sort of like light cyberpunk spy thriller kind of thing. But for me, it's become the tale of this kind of extremely silly time ghost that teleports into someone's mind, like a kind of mad quantum leap scenario, and then dances until they get into the optimal position to punch somebody in the dick. Um, And then they leap again. (laughs) Where will they go this time? Um, Quantum Leap, the VR game. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Um, Come on. But sorry, I found myself doing the, I wouldn't know how to describe it, the kind of bouncy fisticuffs move that you, you know they're kind of like rotating your fists around in a kind of like come on then sort of way because that just gets time to progress to the point where you can pop <laughs> somebody um that's why all was old english boxes <laughs> were doing exactly uh it's good for also maybe to, to wrap up it's very good for fucking up your mind in the way that vr is uniquely capable of <laughs> in there um so you know often vr will fuck you up in the kind of like i don't know what's real anymore i've taken the headset off and i've been playing for an hour but i legit legit had to readjust to the fact that time would continue without me. (laughs) Oh, God. Like, I played for about an hour and a half and just sat down on my PC to do stuff, and I was like, oh, you know, click to load a website, and then just found myself, like, moving the mouse around to, like, get (laughs) the website to load, just to make sure that, you know, things would keep going, because otherwise time stops, obviously.
1: (laughs) That's frightening.
0: Yeah. It's it's what you're doing to yourself, right? Like, it's kind of... (laughs) Loading screens where you have to dance
2: to make it finish. (laughs) (laughs) Keep
0: going, keep Um, moving. Yeah, like, or like, you know, just stand at the bus stop dancing because otherwise the bus (laughs) won't arrive. Like, you know, (laughs) basically, yeah, I kind of wanted, I probably, it's probably me done with VR now. And I appreciate it's been like a a month now, me kind of talking about on and off, but like that is, it's, it's so much the best experience I've had in it that it's almost, and it's great. I'm really happy to have found a game that feels like this is super hot in its best form. Like I really, really like it. I would, I, f- I feel like, I feel like it's almost though reinforced my sense that VR is a substantial tech advance away from furnishing experiences that are as, uh, complete and as independent from the novelty of VR. I think that's the thing for me now. Like I want I want more experiences that are fully realized in their own right and don't rely on you being kind of wowed by um the novelty of mm. something I would normally do in a different way, but like this yeah. to purely sell themselves. But yeah, it is um I definitely I mean I think it's available for both Vive and and occupation. I I certainly wouldn't say it's like go buy go buy a five hundred pound magic hat to experience this.
1: Or a thousand pound one, like yeah. the new, um, the new, the new five pro, whatever it's
0: called. Yeah. Mm. But it is, um, a really great use of the tech. And actually it sort of turns out that super hot was kind of holding on to so many of the kind of design ideas that would help make VR even more viable all along. Like time moves when you move is actually perfect for VR as well, because it allows you to not be overwhelmed, which is, you know, basically. It's real good. It's a maybe, thumbs up from
2: me as well. Maybe time does only move when we move, but it applies to all humans. And so far, no one's... We've never all been stationary at
0: the same time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if everything in the universe stopped moving, how would you know? <laughs> yeah. Man.
1: But movement gym. is time. Isn't it? I thought it's... That, yeah, that's, pretty much, yeah. Because time what, is actually
0: an illusion, man. Oh, yeah. That's like true. That's the thing, right? Like it's just, it's just a dimension. It's just our way of... Um, understanding the movement of objects in space, right? And the transfer of energy from one state to another. Yeah. <laughs> in it. In it. In it to minute. Oh, <laughs> oh. I was going to say that one. Odd. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about another game you two have been playing.
2: Let's. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, uh, Minute just came out yesterday. Um, I don't need to get that right, because it won't be true by the time you listen to this. Um, and it's a game... I believe it's a two-color game. Is that correct? It's only black and white. Black and white. Um, i Pixel art yet. game from uh, J.W. of Lambir, um and Kitty Callis and Yukio. I'm going to stop with the credits there in case I can't remember so the. Kitty
1: Callis did Action Hank,
2: yep. didn't she? Um, and this is a game where you uh wake up in your little hut and you leave and you are a duck, by the way. Yeah, you kind got duck you got a duck-type duck, <laughs> duck type mouth. It's hard to tell because it's low-res and only two colours. Uh, but there's definitely a, a duck mouth going on. Um, a
0: beak, they call it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> one of them duck mouths. <laughs> uh, and you can't get past any bushes until you find the sword. And then we got the sword, you can get past the bushes. But in 60 seconds, you die. <laughs> and then you wake up again. And the world has reset. But if you found the sword, you've still got the sword. And it's actually pretty... Like, the, so the whole concept is you make progress in little chunks and uh, a lot of what you do is undone when you die. You always die after six seconds unless you die sooner because you lost all your health or you can just press a button to kill yourself. Um, and yeah, what stays done is actually a little bit inconsistent. It's kind of, at first I thought, oh, the world resets, but I don't. My possessions get kept. And that does seem to be certainly true that you always get to keep your possessions. Um, but actually, the world doesn't entirely reset. Certain things, just because there'd be a pain in the ass to do again, stay done. So, like, you've helped certain people. They usually stay helped. Um, and that that opens some paths. But then other things don't. So there's a bit where, like, uh this guy won't bring up a bridge until you kill these three enemies or two enemies across the, um, the river. And you can't do that with just a sword. So you have to unlock some special thing to, to attack them from range. Once you've done that, you kill them. He opens the bridge. And then if you die and you go back there... You have to do it again. You still have to kill those two people. You still have the, the ranged ability that let you do that, but you've got to sort of do the quest again, which is a strange thing. Yeah. Um, so it kind of picks and chooses which things stay the same and which things get, um, reset. But, uh, you, it would be pretty tedious if you're always respawning at the same point every time you died. But actually, if you make it far enough, you get to a, like a new home and then you can respawn from there. And then eventually you have multiple of, of these and you can kind of decide where you want to. Uh, spawn each time and it's very much a metroidvania where the the items you're finding uh will let you access areas that you passed earlier because now you can cut down those bushes or you can cut down those trees or you can walk across water and um that kind of stuff I, metroidvanias uh i often have this problem of like i encounter a situation i don't know if i'm if i can solve it with what i have or if i just need to find a special item for it um and I have that little bit here and it's exacerbated a bit by the 60 second thing because like if it takes you 30 seconds to get to this thing you've only got 30 seconds to try and solve it and if you fail to do so within those 30 seconds i've usually also failed to ascertain whether i can solve it like you know for me to exhaust the possibilities and say okay no i probably just need another item that might be two or three minutes work and if i can only do it in 30 second chunks that's kind of a pain
1: it kind of helps that you don't have you have one way of interacting with stuff yeah there's no much isn't there so it's like there's a limit to how much you know you can do
2: Hmm. um that yeah that is helped a bit by the fact that uh it's you're a very open world and there's uh, the sort of the options you have and the routes you can take kind of uh, expand exponentially because you, you know, you get the sword and you hack past the bushes and then you get another item and the other item leads you to another thing and often, you know, the time you get the third item, you have not yet explored all the possibilities that the second item opened up. And so as it goes on, it becomes more and more open. So I'm at the point now where there's sort of four or five different directions I know, oh i never crossed that river and I have a way of crossing rivers now and I know that uh, once I was trapped by a tree and I've been back there since I got the ability to cut down trees so I have lots of options to investigate so that kind of like that makes it less of a problem when I if there is a thing that where I don't know if I can't solve it because I haven't thought of the solution or because I don't have the item I can just leave that and just go and do other stuff until it's the only option
1: yeah I like the, the sort of set, set little quest for yourself and you know what can I do in 60 seconds? And I like the, I like the kind of like almost um, speed running aspect <laughs> of it where you've got to get to where maybe you're trying to go as fast as you possibly can to maximize your time at the other end. I like the, some of the kind of the gags in it as well. So quite early on you, outside a lighthouse, there's a, there's a tortoise and you go <laughs> near a character, it'll start talking to you and usually it's like, one line and it comes off immediately the tortoise and you kind of know it you see the tortoise and of think yeah i can see a joke coming and like it of course it and it pulls it off and it's funny because like it,
2: you know it, it does it he well. spells it out letter by letter and your instinct i don't know if it's intentional but my instinct as a player is like oh i want to skip this so you press like just the use button the use button is hitting with your sword that cancels what he's saying and now he starts to say his like owl line <laughs> is also really long-winded <laughs> I um there's also a watering can you can get and that replaces your sword so you got to decide whether you want to take the watering can or the sword when you leave your house. Oh, I haven't got that far. I took the watering can um and then just started spraying it at people and I sprayed it at some guy in a bar and he's like, "You gotta hydrate." <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> Finally, video games have taught us something.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's you can't ever really kill NPCs as far as I can see. Like any anyone who's got of a character, you just you can hit them with a sword, but it won't do anything. But they all have lines about
0: it. They'll just be like, "I'm going to sue you." <laughs> Is it worth exploring, like using an entire life of this character just to? Uh, probably experience? not. Not if they're far
2: away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but like, I've. I've got to a hotel now and that's my home and i'm also recruiting guests to stay there i'm sort of finding people like if i get right. them more business they're going to help me out so I'm, I'm persuading other people to stay at the hotel and now i've got this cast of characters in the hotel who i can um the guy who wants to sue me he's there
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're like dungeons as well which are dark and you've got to get a lamp before you can go in there and then you kind of, they're usually little mazes and you kind of go in and they kind of start curling off around. And you, oh no, 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 no. Hmm. I wanted to find something and now it's kind of you wasting all my time for this mm. one.
2: Yeah. I keep, I keep finding like the limit of my patience with it. Yeah. There have just been a few times where like, uh, I've just got to a factory and I, I sort of have two different bases I can get to the factory from. And both times it takes me about 35 seconds to get there. And that's – so having 25 seconds in the factory to figure out the next bit is okay. I can have, like, one stab at it, and I know what I've got to do. But when I do fail, having to do the 35-second walk again, you know, 25 seconds is fine, but I can't have the 25 seconds right away. I've got to spend the 35 seconds just repeating the same process to get there. Yeah. Um, and I they try and design it so that that's not necessary. Like, I recently found there is a shorter way to the factory, but it's really counterintuitive. It's, like, a totally different route um where two areas i didn't know were linked um and so you can get into a situation where you like it feels more arduous than it needs to be mm.
1: it's very dark soulsy actually like the the bases you get are like the bonfires and the way that it, everything resets on a new run mm. the way that you get to know routes very very well it's very similar mm. the fact that kind of the consistent you know the fact that you pick up something and that is now yours between lives is very very dark souls really we should say
0: dark um, souls <laughs>
2: uh it is spelt uh, m-i-n-i-t mm. um and there is already a fan game called second <laughs> where you only have one second to live but you move very fast <laughs> i saw one that's um uh,
1: like a, a, it might be millisecond or something Oh <laughs> Just fl- just the little duck just flicks between being stood up and flying down.
2: <laughs> How far can we go? <laughs>
1: How long do you think it is? Because I haven't a I've heard.
2: <laughs> I've heard it's about two hours, hour and a half. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I've, I've played for an hour so far. Yeah. Um, and I've got like 10 of 16 items,
0: apparently. Hmm yeah well, that- I suppose it's kind of easy to measure because it's just how many runs it takes right
2: yeah more or less you can die early and actually uh, there's a suicide button <laughs> it's just like be on your gamepad just hit that and you kill yourself mm-hmm. and I use it a lot <laughs> I'll just be like it I'll I'll sort of do something in in the house that I'm in, and just like talk to someone, break open an urn or something, and do some uh, basic investigation in that area. And that's taken like eight seconds, so I just kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to be in the house, but I don't want to be at fifty-two seconds. I want to be at sixty seconds, so I just kill myself. And then mm, I second. guess
0: there's a kind of min-maxing concern
2: with <laughs> <laughs> inherent to the design. Tom,
0: the min-maxer, <laughs>
2: the min-maxer. Like <laughs> you can water a plant near your house and. um uh, so you get the watering can, you water the the plant. Something happens, you get something out of it, and then you just kill yourself. <laughs> like, well, I don't want to do anything else. With that. I'm,
0: I'm 20 seconds down. There's no point in living now. Mm. Basically, Groundhog Day, right? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Which is still the best video game high concept because all video games are Groundhog Day. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, it's um the, the the conceit of it is that um the, the sword that you pick up at the very start is 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 uh, cursed.
2: Wait, does that mean you don't die until you pick up the sword?
1: Yeah, I was wondering that because I, kn- I didn't you live notice. A full life I'm as a really tempted. I, really I think temp- I died without picking up the sword. Really? <laughs> I think I
2: didn't find out my first try. That's
1: interesting. So, what is the curse then? What's the know. curse of the sword?
0: Hmm. Who knows? I'm presumably, this is revealed in the game minute rather than on this podcast. <laughs> You'd think. <laughs> Hopefully, shall we do some questions from questions?
2: Yes. Yep.
0: Great. I'm glad we had, uh, that's, that motion carries. <laughs> we will return seamlessly to the Chair podcast. Chair the questions. Chair the questions, Chris. Chairing the questions. It's Chris, and he says, Jeff says, <laughs> <laughs> Chris says, <laughs> Chris says, Jeff says, deer pushed straight into train car. That's pretty good. Um, despite. Oh, yeah the amount of time spent commenting on into the breach the last few months, I feel as though very little discussion of the game has discussed has occurred between hosts. You mentioned earlier, you had a love hate relationship with the game. I think he's referring to me specifically, which I'm curious to hear about as I have similar feelings, please consider talking about into the breach further with Tom brackets, S close brackets present, or perhaps producing a lock in, excuse the length redact at your leisure. Thank you for your fine thirst quenching product, Jeff, from Nova Scotia. When he specifies Tom, he's, he, he's uh, introducing the plur- potential for plural toms, not merely... Uh, oh, I thought he meant Tom Senor. No, um, in the sense of Tom's question mark, mm-hmm. as opposed to Tom S question mark, or the dreaded Tom C. S variant. <laughs> tom's. C, C, good C old fuck. C fuck. <laughs> 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 Captain Tom C. To a <laughs> <laughs> a fine addition to the creighton crowbar mythos. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, um Tom Francis is currently wearing an Into the Breach yes. T-shirt. I am a bit. Um, on,
2: I was going to say on brand. I'm on their brand. Yeah. Not on my
0: brand. But well, it is your brand. I think. <laughs> it is your, your P brand. Uh, when, when everyone arrived for the podcast this evening, I was playing into the breach. Um, I'm, like the only way of <laughs> I'm, I'm not breached. in what way have you breached today? I haven't,
1: I haven't breached at all today. I haven't breached for a few days. In fact, but I did crack installing it on my Mac the other day mm. But have managed to survive that so far i realized recently
0: work? this is bound to come to ipad and that's going to be an amazing thing yeah 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 i kind of want it on ipad already like i found that ftl had a new life every time it came out a different platform for me mm. yeah. um yeah how i actually I just no. yesterday
2: i'm probably 170 hmm. and i just yesterday completed it with the last squad um so i've now completed with every squad and i don't have every achievement i cheated uh there is there is a squad that you only unlock when you have every achievement, and that is one of my few gripes with the game. Is that in general, like getting achievements to unlock squads is a good system, I think, because they make a really big deal of the achievements are not just like arbitrary grindy things. Uh, there are some grindish ones, but um, uh, they kind of they're not tucked away in the Steam interface. They have a whole like menu. Uh, that they show you of like, here's all the humans you can get. There are three for every squad. There are like 12 general ones. And it feels like this exciting menu of experiences you can have with this game. It's yeah. kind of, it feels like they're saying all these things are worth doing. Like you should try, if you've never done like two islands in 30 minutes with the lightning squad, you should try that. Um, and for the most part, that's true. Um, and it works really well, except that. There is a really, really big reward for getting every single achievement, which is there's a whole other squad you unlock if you do that, um, and that involves yeah, you literally have to get every single achievement, and most of them are good, and but like any game, not every achievement is good, <laughs> and in particular for me, uh, it was there's one where like it's a secret, you just got to find a secret in the game, and there's no guidance on how to do it or how to go about it, and if you don't know what it involves, you could easily play for. I did play for 150 hours without ever encountering this thing. Um, and then I just looked it up in a guide and I just said, oh, you have to do this and, you, and that unlocks it. Um, that kind of sucks. Uh, but it only sucks because you have to get every achievement. And if they just made it like, it's it's 25 achievement coins to unlock the secret squad and the cost of unlocking all other squads if you add them all up it comes to the exact same number of achievements in the game so you have to get every single one if you want everything uh if they just reduced that by five if it was just 20 instead of 25 then you have to get like nearly every achievement but any ones that you really think are a pain in the ass or just seem kind of grindy or you kind of already done that but in a different way um you could just skip those that would be fine uh for me it was like I actually, I did get the secret one because I looked it up, how to do it. Um And then there's, uh the ones I didn't get are all on the random squad. So there's a custom squad where you can pick different mechs from different squads and design it your own way. And there's achievements for doing that. And there's like, do it with three flying mechs and do it with three of the same mech. And I figured out, oh, if I pick three freeze mechs, they're flying and they're the same mech and they're kind of nuts in that they do no direct damage, but they're it's a really powerful ability and I figured out a way to complete the game with that and that was really fun. Uh, and part of the fun of it is like the meta game of like, oh, I can get all these three achievements in the same run. But then the random squad is just, it's like the custom squad except you don't choose what they are, but you can re-roll it. So you kind of can choose what they are. Right. And then the hmm. achievements are just like, get five time pods in a campaign. It's like, I've done that hundreds of times. That just happens when you play a campaign, most of the time, if it doesn't happen, it's because the game didn't spawn five time pods. There's nothing you can do Mm. about it. And I've done it loads of times, but I just haven't done it with a random squad, and doing it with a random squad is not any more or less interesting than the other ones. And then there's another one of like, don't spend any reputation. And I've done a lot of challenge runs about like, don't upgrade any weapons, or don't buy any weapons, or don't destroy every time pod you find. And I've done like five of those, and the idea of doing another one, but I also have to play as a random squad for some reason but the achievement doesn't seem relevant to playing as the random squad. That was just boring to me. So I ended up just cheating. <laughs> I was just like, all right, I really want to see what a secret squad is. I'm just going to edit the uni file and just say, show me the secret squad. Uh, and I'm glad I did because it's, it's worth the shame. No, it's worth seeing, but they're also not mechanically that interesting. It's very, they're very conventional. They're just very ordinary. Um But the idea is fun. And so I won't spoil what it is, but um I think it's worth cheating to see them because yeah, it's worth seeing, but it's not actually worth the huge effort to get every single achievement in the game. It's end. funny,
1: isn't it? Because they, they, they know they're gonna know that the developers are gonna know that that, that very few players are gonna access these mechs. Mm. And therefore they can't be that good because <laughs> they should probably be kind of surfaced to as many players as possible. And yet they have to have something about them. So yeah. it sounds like they managed to succeed at that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and yet rewarding. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I, um, I've i only played about 20 hours of Into the Breach. <laughs> uh, just but, And most of that was in the first, like, four days that it came out. And then I've only just returned to it with a kind of more kind of... Because I really, like, did have a kind of love and then put off kind of relationship with it. Maybe we mentioned this on the pod before, me and Rich McCormick were the two people, I think, who bounced. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that was simply that Um, there are enough, given how tight it is and how almost, uh, small its number of verbs is in terms of move, shoot, push, and so on. Um, I found myself getting frustrated with the amount of randomness. Hmm. And I think, uh, and this is something that I'm happy to be wrong about. So I'll talk about this in the sense of this is how it made me feel rather than this is some strategy sandbox issue or some kind of core design issue. Not that those things are mutually exclusive, but like, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to like say that I've solved it. It's secretly bad for this reason. It's more that like, Hey, I started to feel bad. And it would be things like, um, there's uh I I don't know. There, there are, moments, there are aspects of its logic. Like, um, there are situations where you can put yourself in, in, for example, what you'd feel as like, are pretty good given the limited number of uh rewinds and it's it's a factor of two things it's your inability to to rewind anytime which i understand why it's in there why it's limited in the way that it is but also your inability to know not necessarily what your opponent's going to do but what the ai is going to prioritize um and so for me i felt the game swang really hard swung swang (laughs) swang swang hey nice number swang (laughs) number swang it was it was the number swang was really what what swung it for me and like um (laughs) it's it swung which is the word in english um really hard between um very easy despite the professed difficulty of the level and very hard based often on things I felt like I had no control over. Mm. The best example of this, and often I think these moments uh, revolve around the webby bastards, (laughs) because (laughs) webby bastards take away one of your verbs, right? You don't actually do loads. It's about a very precise application of relatively simple abilities. And they're, they're remixed in lots of interesting ways, you know, pulling and pushing, and lots of different kinds of pushing and kinds of doing damage. But ultimately, talking about those things. And traditionally, the things you kind of thing it's it's about is like there are definitely you know i I you know after a while you learn to account for things like oh well if the first wave of enemies has loads of webby bastards in it, deploy a little bit further back because then they can't get you in the first move that's all kind of good solid tactical stuff, but occasionally you just get that turn towards the end of the game where some crucial objective is at stake and if the webby bastards decide to go and punch random buildings, it's fine because you've got a healthy grid you can take it if they go and decide to punch an objective it might be fine you know something crucial because you can you can deal with it if all of them decide to web the same mech you depending on what you're, else you're equipped with you can end up with just like a completely intractable issue like the there were campaigns i think i was having when I this idea started forming were the steel judica which are the the judo mechs, basically lots of pushing and grabbing stuff. I think they always highlight it in some ways because one of them, for example, is a mech that can grab an enemy and fling them around to the other side of them, uh, which is, uh, very easily blocked almost by accident by the AI. You don't have a sense yeah. that the AI is doing it on purpose. It's just that, Oh, if this mech, if that AI decided to fight me from this side, this mm. solution is really obvious because it happens to be standing here. There's literally nothing I can do. Um, um, I always get frustrated in that particular
2: scenario because picking up, like, a giant insect and throwing him onto another insect feels like it should be a great thing to do. Yeah, or throwing him into a mountain.
0: <laughs> or even yeah. having the choice of throwing him into a building if it's kind of the right, you know what I mean, if it's the right choice. Given that you're allowed to push into building into the context. Yeah. Like, and that doesn't mean the entire game falls out for me, but that's where a lot of my frustration with it was coming from. Because there were moments where it felt like, I've planned as best I can. I used my rewind earlier, but now I just can't do anything. Like I'm fully webbed. Like, and, and, and I think, I think the thing that would solve it for me would be having enemy types come with baked in priorities. So, you know, Oh, webby guys will tend to go for mechs, you know, artillery bugs will tend to go for buildings. You know what I mean? But so if you know that about them, it just adds an element to the skill ceiling, which is not just solving the problem I have now. But knowing what to focus on, how to play the range game to try and massage what the AI is going to do, because in its random generation of a new strategic puzzle, every time the AI acts, I think sometimes that doesn't necessarily throw up an interesting challenge. And I think that's one of the ways it doesn't compare favorably to FTL, because FTL has a really solid set of internal predictable logic systems for how enemy ships work that apply differently to like crude ships and drones or like the AI driven ships. But it meant that you have to think of like, you're still solving a strategic challenge based on like, what resources do I have? You know, what stuff do I have available? What weapons do I have? What's the situation? How do I get out of this space battle alive? But you also know if I laser the enemy's O2 through the thing right now, I know what their crew is going to redirect their attention towards. And I can manipulate that in other ways. Whereas in Into the Breach, Because you really have no control over what the AI is going to do. The AI does not behave intelligently. The AI doesn't care what you want. It doesn't, it doesn't focus Mm. the priority buildings necessarily. Perfect example of this is a lot of the, the boss battles, the end of island boss battles. You have, you have the objective to kill the boss and protect the corporate HQ building. As far as I have ever been able to tell, the AI doesn't give a shit about either of those things. It doesn't move to protect the boss and it doesn't move to specifically attack the HQ, mm. which means you are kind of... You know, some turns are just like, oh, that's a freebie. Like, it decided to fight this random building over there that I can afford to lose because I've mm. got a good grid, and the boss is sort of charged into a position where I can easily push it into a bunch of other attacks. Um, or it's and, like, oh, uh, they decided to
2: attack me. I'll move one space to the
0: right and the yes, exactly. is solved. That's the thing. There's something about that that seems quite inelegant to me, which is, like, when you get, like... You know, my little artillery mech sat in the corner, and three different bugs choose to target it with artillery um, that I can easily step out of the way of with no consequence. And with a single move, I can disarm three different enemies' attacks. Whereas in other scenarios, they choose to all target separate buildings, and suddenly I'm choosing to give up potentially half my grid
2: Yeah, I had a mission recently where like the first turn, five enemies targeted buildings. (laughs) Like there are five enemies on the, on the map, all of them targeted buildings, none of them targeted. Yeah. And it's all in situations
0: where they can't be like pushed out of the way. So it's just like, well, we're going to take two to three hits here. Yeah. And, and that way, you know, and that then obviously, you know, way of surviving that is like you prep for that mission, you know, but like you, I guess what I'm saying is you don't know that going in. Like Mm. we were talking to. John Roberts, but yes, they were touched on it, which is like I think he's a very good into the breach player by the sounds of things, and knows to pick missions that are suitable for his, yeah, um, for his squad, which is something that I've started to think about more, having heard him say that. <laughs> but you can't plan for what the AI is going to do, you, you know what I mean? And it's because they don't have logic; they just do a thing, and then it's like so react to for this. For me,
1: for me, that's the strength because like I don't. So there was a. A long time ago, I went on holiday with a friend of mine and my this friend is really good at chess. Like he's like extraordinarily, and go, like he's a super smart. And um I was really into Advance Wars and I hate chess <laughs> because it's just too fucking hard. And we had this long conversation when we were out there where he was saying, why the hell, why don't you like chess, but you like this turn-based strategy? I mean, aren't they fundamentally the same kind of thing? And... I was thinking about it and I realized that it was because, it's because it, it is, isn't, isn't as clinical. Like the advanced wars just isn't as clinical as, uh, chess. Like chess has such sort of uh, refined perfection. Like there is a, mm. there is always a counter to this. And there's a, you know, the, the possibility space is very wide, but the, the good moves are very, very yeah. slim. Right. And that I can totally understand that's appealing to a lot of people and it isn't to me because I probably because I'm not as like not that smart. Um, and like to think like that, I just don't have that precision kind of mind. Um, uh, I like advanced wars because you can hide behind the complexity. Like I can hide my intelligence, you know, I, I'm not that smart. I can just sort of muddle around in the kind of the mess of all the different variables that are going on. I can muddle through. That's why I like into the breach as well. Like I didn't, I like I like uh, FTL a lot, but I never really liked the fact that there was always probably the best thing I could do at any situation. Mm. And I like in into the breach that I can, I can have a situation, and I can apply myself to it, and there might be a good solution in there. But because. The bugs are going to do something else next turn and it's not necessarily my fault. I feel much freer and like that. It's a very personal thing for me. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. I think maybe, yeah, cause I know that both me and Rich are the two people who bounced off it are very much perfectionists yeah. and like don't <laughs> yeah. want to give up an objective. And so it's frustrating when it's, cause like... I
1: think, I think that ultimately into the breach is a game about sort of prioritization like yeah you're gonna take you're gonna take a fucking now so what <laughs> which which holes <laughs> which, <fuckings? laughs> which, which, which tom <laughs> but you know you got to kind of go okay what what am i what what is it best for me to kind of take and yeah, what is actually, best to lose
2: there's a design thing that i um uh, I kept complaining to them about because uh, I was testing the game, and I kept saying, "The you get a special reward for if you get every objective on an island. If you never fail an objective, you get uh, offered three rewards. Uh, one of three rewards. Uh, one's a pilot. One's a weapon. One's two grid power. And so it's worth it's worth basically two points. You know, two reputation points. Because um, at least uh, you know if you." Uh, you could take the pilot and then you can always sell the pilot for two reputation points so you can get those and you can spend those on market. uh you can almost afford a power core for that which is a big deal um and i don't like that system because it means the option objectives uh, i don't have that prioritization yeah. question it's just always the option objectives no matter what i would take four grid power damage instead mm. of losing an option objective because if i if I get the optional objective, I get the whole fucking weapon. And two grid power is obviously not as good as losing four grid power. But um uh two points means possibly the difference between being able to buy another power core, being able to buy another weapon, and that's the thing I really care about. Yeah. Thing that if, even if it's not the most effective thing, it probably is. But it also, even if it's not the most effective thing, it's the most exciting thing. It's like, oh, I get to change how my squad works. It
0: would be fine if the game had like a couple of different versions of perfect. So Mm. all of the side objectives was one Mm. but also full population survival. Yeah. That's a good idea. Like that would solve it as well because it'd be like, okay, well I'll sacrifice. Cause then, then it is back to prioritization, right? Yeah, Yeah. from like, you could have, you could have, um, like full population survival, every secondary objective and never taking mech damage as the three things that get you a bonus reward yeah. and it's the same reward it's well, just which one of those three would argue that
1: the you know the population thing is like there's your there's your end of game score which uh, you know well, like
2: interesting, I think no one really cares about yeah, that right like that's right. not the a- When I I said this to Matthew Davis um and uh it, his rationale for the way it currently works is the the reward for getting every objective is supposed to encourage you to take less ambitious missions so it's like you don't take the one that gives you two rep stars and a power core because it's going to be really hard and you doubt yourself. And so you take the one that just gives you one star because you know if you get it, mm. it you keep your perfect reputation in, intact. Which makes sense in theory, but I just fundamentally don't think that way. I'm a gamer. I, you offer me challenges and I'm like, yeah, I'll get all of them. <laughs> I'll do everything. I'll just take everything and I'll win. Uh, and then when I'm in the situation, I can do it like I will, i'll get those objectives i'll sacrifice everything else to do it but <laughs> uh it's like there's just it's so incredibly difficult to persuade me to not take on the challenge like you offer me three wards or one reward to get me to take the one reward you've got to like beat me down and like humiliate me and break my spirit and just make me so miserable. I'm just like, "Oh, I just can't play this game. I just got to take this shitty mission cuz I'm shit and I hate it." Like, see, that's even my, if you That's my it default, doing. I go,
1: "Give me the shit one. Let's do this."
0: Yeah, like I think it that's the thing for me in interview's It's just sort of like a few tweaks from i I think that'd be the thing i'd I'd really like it i think if i feel this way about xcom which is its other great kind of reference point which is that the thing that's always been missing for me from xcom is like i kind of want to either know or have the opportunity to feel out what the aliens are trying to achieve and be able to counter them directly that's not to say it becomes a competitive strategy game but but all of these strategy games are built around the idea that there's sort of like a force that will just sort of act and I mean, I guess, um, XCOM 2 introduced the sort of advent calendar of Doom. Um, <laughs> um, but that was really a health bar in all but name. It's a bar that goes up and when it goes all the way up, a bad thing happens. Um, and like, I would, and maybe this would overcomplicate it, but like having some sense that the, the bugs in Into the Breach are entering the level with a particular thing they're trying to achieve. And then maybe one of the things you could also be doing is trying to suss out by watching what they're prioritizing, what their objective is, you know, so if, you know, and then maybe that's randomly generated. So if the bugs go into the mission and maybe they have no particular objective, maybe they have the objective to destroy the mechs, maybe the, the objective to destroy a particular building, which would probably align with the special power plant or whatever that you've been asked to protect, or their objective is to just do as much population damage as possible. And then that would allow you to intuit something about their likely behavior. That would deepen it strategically for me without, I think, taking away from the fundamental thing of like, here's an involving strategic situation, deal with it. At the moment, because that's random, that is what makes it feel kind of so hit and miss for me, I think. So that,
1: is that, pers- that sense persevered
0: on your return to the game? So on my return to the game, I've become more chilled out about letting objectives go. But I'm also aware that like that's not the optimal way to play. And because of the end of island reward system, and that's quite a big deal. Um I agree, like I think that undermines the sense that sometimes the right thing to do is to let a you know, like um the letter building go as long as you protect the objectives. Or at Mm -hmm. least, you know what I mean. The game kinda becomes about that. It becomes about how do I make sure I tick every box for this mission? not the kind of m- macro level um survival thing, or at least I think a few of those things become kind of solved problems. Like you say it's about setting priorities, but actually those priorities don't necessarily change playthrough to playthrough. Like the parameters by which you set those priorities don't necessarily change. No. So for example, like if I've got four to five bars of grid, I'm fine. Like realistically I'm fine most of the time because the way the buildings are arranged means you can only ever really lose two at a time. So You know what I mean? You're in okay territory. You can go wrong very quickly, but yeah. Similarly, if you have to choose between losing a pilot, even if it's a pilot with a good ability, and losing a secondary objective at a crucial juncture, it's probably better to lose the pilot because there's no real... Well, there is a consequence for that, but you can always get the pilot again. And, you know, your pilot will be replaced by a very amiable CCTV camera. (laughs) So, like... I do like that the, the amount of grid power you have
2: is seven, because I feel like that was arrived at through hard testing. <laughs> yeah. like, that's just the right amount, but it, every power you lose is significant, but um, mm. it's also
0: not too brutal. Yeah, and it's still a great game, like it still feels great to ace a level. But I think, um, and maybe like, I've, I've definitely like, gotten over my kind of um, salty hump. Um, when it came to getting frustrated with it but I was hitting situations where it's like um, and I know this because I was detailing them in a frustrated way into our breach chat channel Um, but like there were situations where it's like I've done everything I know with the information I currently have I can achieve and it's just fucked me in some weird way and I think because I've played loads of games with randomness in them competitively I'm aware that like you folk, you, you drill down on, you tend to forget when it's favoring you with the randomness and focus on when it's screwing you. And I'm trying to, I try and be conscious of both of those. So there are times where it's like, like I said earlier, like, oh, the AI has just behaved in a way that makes this ostensibly hard scenario completely easy. Like the AI has functionally thrown away a win condition. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't react. The, I've only got one bar of grid left. <laughs> oh, thank God they've all decided to throw all their firepower into one particular mech who can just move to the left and now I can win the game. You know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. Is like- I just
1: feel I just feel I stagger between those two states. Like yeah. I, I don't mind. I just feel like it's just how it is. It's just I, I think I, I characterize in my mind the bugs as just being stupid. <laughs> and like they'll get lucky sometimes and you know, but you make hay while the sun shines, while the bugs cry. <laughs> use a
2: haymaker on the bug well. <laughs> while <Hey, shines. laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, I think beyond a certain point, that's not that satisfying. Maybe. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm overcoming it because I
1: haven't gone back to it recently, and I've been meaning to. But I think that's that's a platform thing. I don't really like playing that kind of game at my desktop. I just hmm. like I want to lie in bed playing it. Yeah, to yeah, totally. I
0: think I think iPad would definitely give it another lease of life. Yeah. for me. And it's a really good game. It's a really beautifully designed little strategy game. It's just, yeah. you know, I don't think you're wrong if you fall out with it sometimes because the fucking webby bastards (laughs) webby (laughs) bastards they're pricks and they're disproportionately pricks I think is the thing like them and fucking Captain Rocks the biggest twat Captain (laughs)
2: Rocks
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I hate the spiders um and they're called
2: spiders and those the things they the ones that fling spiders at you yeah you would yeah intuitively you want to call the things they create spiders those are called spiderlings the <laughs> the parent yeah. creature is the spider um, <laughs> yeah they are awesome and my favorite trick ever is to think a lot about placement of my guys and then place them in a cross formation in which a spider then flings a web into the center of us and webs all three of us (laughs) 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 oh i should have foreseen that actually (laughs) and also the other problem with spiders the reason i hate them the most is it's never worth killing them because they don't do anything themselves they They created the spider the spider's a problem you can take that out easily you spend a turn doing that. You spend a turn taking out the Hornet. You spend a turn taking out the Scorpion. But you leave the spider itself alone because this turn is not doing anything. Next turn, it's going to web four things and create another fucking spider.
0: There's increasingly inconvenient bugs. That's the issue, right? Like being inconvenienced by bugs. <laughs> Awful game. <laughs> <laughs> <I play> it. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. But... I'm so cross the next question comes from Kane who writes best pun in games that's from Kane I'd like to thank Kane for writing a question in four words
2: yep that's very good <laughs> Um I have never played either game but I was very impressed with Mount Your Friends 2 a hard man is good to climb <laughs> <laughs> yep that's top
0: can't think of any Mm. I feel very put on the spot and I knew this was coming. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. Surely. No, but why don't we, why don't we actually brass tactics is pretty good. Brass tactics is good.
1: There's, I was just thinking about like, it's just all the little kind of, they're they're all over the place in kind of quest names, aren't they? Far Cry 5 is full of them as well. But the only one I can remember is make hope great again. But that's not really a pun. No.
0: That's not even really a <laughs> It's really annoying joke. one as well.
1: <laughs> well, did the so the, the point that this this quest is given to you by uh a Hank no Hank. Hunk. Hank. H- honk.
2: Herk. Honk.
1: honk,
0: honk, Hunk, Hunk. honk. honk. <laughs> Hello, I honk. Recurring Far Cry character. Honk does not afraid of anything. He's just a friendly goose. <laughs> <laughs>
1: His dad is a rampant, uh, Republican wannabe senator, um, and he's decided who he kind of rails on his kind of, um, veranda about stuff. And he's decided that because the, because the cultists aren't going to vote for him because they're mad cultists, um, they should be thinned out so as to kind of, to, to increase the the, <laughs> the, the, the kind of the number of proportional voters who right. would vote okay. for him.
2: So wait, are the, are the cultists Democrats? <laughs>
0: i guess so because it's only two parties okay though, wow <laughs> yeah. i gotta I rethink mean, my strategy <laughs> it's all nadir all day <laughs> uh
1: yeah so like make hope great again is basically you just kill cultists because <laughs> in the same way that you're doing all of the missions huh. <laughs> so that was really annoying but it's not like in a pun so sorry kane that doesn't that's all right that reason. isn't a pun but it's all right
0: damn I'm really glad that we got asked a question in, in four words, and now I really regret that it requires Should me to come remember back to anything it? from a video <laughs> let's game. Come yeah, let's come back to
1: it and fail to answer it then as yeah, well.
0: Yeah, quite. Next question comes from Zoe, who writes, Hi, in an effort to make everyone feel old, are there any obscure or not obscure old British TV shows that you want to see a video game made of? For my money, Aquila would make a pretty good game about figuring out the interface on an alien spaceship while balancing ordinary life problems. Thanks. I saw a
2: lot of fuss about a game called The Good Life, and I hoped it was an adaptation <laughs> of The Good Life from Richard Bryars. <laughs> <laughs> and Felicity Kendall? Felicity Kendall, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, I think <laughs> me and Will Potter were the only people thinking about that. Like, really? Is there a game with a good luck I
0: think, I mean, I, I often think that um, Blackadder didn't get the credit it deserved for inventing <laughs> Assassin's Creed. <laughs> 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 Fundamentally the same premise. <laughs>
1: Um, let's think. I think you could make a good kind of, uh, sort of, uh, district council, uh, management simulator based on threads, mm. the, um, 1970s, uh, film about nuclear war. I reckon because it shows, it shows, I think it's Sheffield council dealing like sort of with, with nuclear war just broken out, dealing with, Managing the people wow. uh, in, in uh, ahead of their impending demise.
2: I should watch that either way.
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's intense. It really is. It <laughs> sounds intense. It's fucking, it is amazing. I recommend, if you haven't seen Threads, it's, pr- I think it's on YouTube. <laughs> it's uh, like an, a very realist, uh, sort of almost fly on the wall style 70s drama, but it's very, very hard hitting.
2: Mm.
0: Could you make Bully Grange Hill edition? <laughs> I was thinking that I would probably play the Faulty Towers visual novel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who wouldn't? Well, like uh, Tiny Tower via Faulty Towers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Call of Duty Dad's Army.
2: <laughs>
1: Is there anything in Blake 7? I've not, I don't even see, think I've seen Blake 7. I think it was because oh, I was yeah. just wanted well, cartoons. I mean, like,
0: yeah, like old... Like sci-fi stuff mm, Doctor Who yeah Doctor Who's like there have been Doctor Who games but the thing
1: with British TV like vintage TV is that because there was never any budget there was no kind of action for for kind of games to get a handle on so they're just talking so eventually effectively all of British TV is like graphic adventures
0: yeah pretty much visual novels visual novels yeah yeah point and click adventures basically
2: Captain Price feels like he's already in Dad's army
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) indeed um yeah, like, I, I'd love a, like, a, 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 that's the thing is, I think the, Doctor Who's an interesting one, because I think there's a sort of a platonic sense of what a Doctor Who story is. But, like, it's never, like, there's no sort of, like, pure version of that narrative you could ever point to, because every showrunner has approached kind of what Doctor Who is differently, and it's it more or less video gamey based on the kind of whims of...
1: But ultimately, it's a puzzle game where he has to sort of solve some apparently intractable problem yeah. with, with non-violent means.
0: Yeah, although, you know, you could easily do like a time travel puzzle game based on Doctor Who, yeah. but that would actually introduce the concept of solving problems using time travel which Doctor Who never does and you have never wanted th- to put you in too many environments because that'd be too expensive yes indeed <laughs> you know it's about arriving in a situation but then solving it in any way that av- avoids using the time machine <laughs> 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 because that opens a kettle of fish <laughs>
1: so fundamental name is easy to make and cheap games so like I don't know it should be all over the place
2: I don't have a concept to go along with this but I've been thinking it so i got to say it <laughs> Alf Wolfenstein Pet <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, yeah, there is no, there's no, there's no substance to that. It's just, yep. it might be the best pun in games. <laughs> there we go. I answer Kane's question. Oh, well. good. Done. Thank yeah. you. <laughs>
0: oh man, I, I, I keep finding Kane's question echoing around my head because I feel like there should be some grand wealth of puns, but there's, there's so many and they're so discreet that it's, it's really hard to...
1: You want to sort of just think of a series and just think about the pun with... puns. Yeah, there. there's
0: loads of good puns in Dragon Age, like across the kind of course of those games in companion chats and like quest titles and things, I'm kind of reliably pleased by a pun. But I wouldn't be able to remember a single one of them <laughs> because that's the nature <laughs> of puns, right?
1: But that's good because you're telling Kane where to look.
0: Indeed. Well, I don't think, uh, yeah. Maybe
1: he did, think, did more than I that. I think
0: maybe he just calculated the the single four words capable of giving me the most anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, which is, a, you know, a good change for him. <laughs> like, you know. 500 words. Yeah, 500 word <laughs> statement versus a four word unanswerable omni <laughs> question. You know, it's a... <laughs> you know, it's a mixed bag. um next question comes from James, who writes Dear Kate N. Crowbar Ruins aren't exactly a rare sight in games, and I think I've crawled through more abandoned temples and fortresses than I can remember but too often these feel a bit flat set dressing or obstacle courses, not places that were once lived in and functional. Which games deal with ruins well, interesting or atmospheric? What of ruins Hang on. What,
1: what, of, what, of, what of ruins? What of ruins, <laughs> ruins
0: that aren't abandoned, but lived in and repurposed? James
1: well, let's, dark, let's do
0: the low-hanging flute. 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 The, <laughs> <laughs> the, the low-hanging flute. Hanging flute. The flute.
1: Hanging flute.
0: <laughs> toot, toot! It's Alex's low-hanging flute. <laughs> and the, the podcast is ruined. <laughs> You've done it again, Alex. Well done. Tell us any more gin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell me, Alex, what is the low hanging fruit? I can't even say anymore.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: Dark Souls, isn't it, Alex?
2: You're a flute that hanging that from a tree by a
0: string. That's really a really low So for me, I think my head was still in the kind of old British TV space. So I just imagined it like almost like fucking play days or something. Like, oh, the wheel has stopped on low-hanging flute. Let's see what. Let's talk about Dark Souls for 15 minutes and then just a flute comes down from the sky on a, on a string.
2: Like the death like, from
0: above. Yeah, yeah, and then like, I don't know, like Marshall Rich Stanton or somebody just plays it briefly and Dark Souls appears in like a wavy sort of, like, dream scene.
1: <laughs> Oh, Christ <laughs> the sun. <laughs>
0: oh, God. Oh, you oh, <laughs>
1: yeah it's, dark souls, isn't it's it? dark souls it's got some ruins in it next question
0: <laughs> uh okay so i was
1: thinking also chernobyl game uh stalker stalker
0: yeah uh-huh. <laughs> uh i mm. was gonna suggest um so for <laughs> oh god <and> my lungs <laughs> are bleeding <laughs> Um, that was some wheezy
1: laughing we just did. I know. <laughs> I <don't> get... <laughs> um, so <laughs> 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 toot.
2: toot. <laughs> That's what you play on the low-hanging flute when it arrives it's A few short, sharp blasts
0: I've got an obvious take, everybody
2: <laughs> Now it's the next tweet you're going to do It's really obvious <laughs> Toot toot, it's the low-hanging flute Dark Souls is hard But
0: it's good as well
2: <laughs>
1: God, I'm gonna die! <laughs> I
0: think we've just killed games journalism.
2: <laughs> I'm
0: sorry, everybody. Podcasts. <laughs>
2: this is probably the most we'd laugh since Banvercheck. So this is it's fault. my fault as well. Oh, God. <clears throat>
0: All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh god that, tell tell me about <laughs> i was going to make a suggestion reach for the ruin for a game that has incorporates uh ruins an interesting way into it, an extant society which is uh torment hides and which is very much a game about societies built up around ruins people don't really understand that's good because of that's kind of integral <coughs> to the Newman era setting.
1: Oh boy, <laughs> that's a good one.
0: Yeah, Um we you got know, there. Each of its cities, sort of each of its little hubs, are a, a place built around like either a forgotten piece of technology or a city that has a history that isn't accessible to its new owners, but they nonetheless live there and kind of make their own interpretation of it. I very much like that as a kind of um, fantasy sci-fi adaptation. Adaptation of that idea. Adopt. <laughs> Adopt know. Taylor. Shh. <laughs> um The other game I was going to suggest weirdly is and it's not I don't know if it's right for this, but I always found the Talos principle very evocative hmm. because it ruins and I don't know if this is deliberate or if I'm a wanker. <laughs> Those are the two possibilities. Basically, so it's a puzzle game set in very familiar repeating like almost a tile set. A kind of Greek ruin kit that is obviously just stamped out to kind of create these these puzzles. But it's also kind of about um AI and kind of the way computers generate meaning and and sort of um the um the sort of uh sort of notion of the kind of intelligent or mindless reproduction of patterns. And those ruins remind me powerfully of old nineties Windows screen savers. like <laughs> oh what like the, the, the windows one. 95 brick maze kind mm, yeah, of thing yeah. and that sort of felt like both a kind of literal ruin in terms of what's being depicted but also a kind of interesting depiction of what a digital ruin might be like like a sort of senseless arrangement of ge- geometry with no kind of core think about that a lot yeah yeah um, that's your higher flute
1: yeah they <laughs> <laughs> you know, like in portland the same way has kind of you know mm. t- it sort of but it uses them mostly to show time passing and yeah i i think that the ruins are just so perfect for games in that you know they can evoke a place you know that it has familiarity about about it that doesn't have to abide by the rules yeah. of normal society and you don't have to build in a population of npcs and you don't have to you know fill it with kind of believable objects that kind of you know make sense and it's sort of um (laughs) but but also like you know people just love ruins like you know Mm. there's you know detroit and kind of Pompeii, and you know they are deeply evocative and you can put meanings on top of them and it's sort of it's all so convenient they're just deeply deeply convenient too convenient perhaps
2: i remember um <laughs> liking how in oblivion there are like there are dungeons in oblivion there are caves in oblivion but uh when you find an elven ruin uh you know what you're getting in for and i can't remember what there are some kind of like elven stones you get from them i can't remember why they're useful they might be like yeah. soul gems or something um but each one is hand designed, and they usually have some kind of puzzle thing. Like it be something about pressure switches and and water levels and weird stompy That's ceilings. That's stuff that elves are into. Yeah, el- yeah elf interests, <laughs> stompy ceilings, water. <laughs> um, and yeah, they're just scattered all over the world. So it's just like a type of thing, and when you could, you rec- learn to recognise the actual visual geometry of like an elven ruin you see these tall white spires and you realize oh okay if i go down here i will get some elven gems whatever the fuck they do and i will solve a puzzle and uh it was like an effective way of syncing up like learn to expect what kind of content you're going to get and also there's a backstory here and there's a reason all these things are like each other and um uh, i had a little bit of a, a feel of you know indiana Jones reading type thing um, where you're going in there because you know there's gonna be something valuable and you're you know you also you're sort of transgressing and you're gonna face some danger because of that
0: hmm.
1: assassin's creed origins actually does that well because it's there's quite like a, a an emotional heft to the idea of you being in an ancient world but then surrounded by actual ruins of an even more ancient world that we kind of conflate like you know, it's, it is incredibly hard to kind of conceive realistically of kind of 4,000 years ago or whatever, you know, but then you're in this a long time ago time and there's like even more even long time ago stuff. That kind of like <laughs> There's sort of like the layers. That's our historians <laughs> phrase it, yeah. <laughs> the layers that kind of exposes and sort of situates you and kind of gives context and kind of, mm. uh you know, kind of um clarity to where you are. It's
0: nice. He's mm. nice. He's nice. I think we recovered well <laughs> in answering that question.
1: Oh, that was really nicely plucked. <laughs>
0: yeah, indeed. From the, the lowest branches of the flute tree. Um, our final question this evening comes from Jamie who writes, watching a clip online of Gears of War's gun, what a chainsaw on it, slicing a monster in half in glorious mess of screams, blood and whirring metal sealed the deal for me. And I immediately went out and spent an ill-advised portion of my student loan on an Xbox and a copy of the game. Despite the fact that chainsawing enemies in half is precisely the same every time it happens, it never ever got old. And through three games and many hours of deathmatch, I was still grinning with glee at every occurrence. My question is then: What similar aspects of games, which are a little bit more than little, which are little more than cosmetic, have provided you with the similar cheap but enduring thrills Love the podcast, etc.? Jamie,
2: for me, throwing knives. <laughs> <laughs> My specialty topic. Um... <laughs> I used to, uh, uh, when I played Action Quake 2, I would, like, you could pick... In deathmatch, you'd just find weapons, and uh, I would try and gather as many knives as possible. You could <laughs> always throw the knife you started with, but also, every time I killed someone, I'd take their knife and make sure that stocked up my throwing knife pile. But in team deathmatch, you could pick your loadout, and most of the loadouts, like, M4 or MP5 and all these serious weapons. Uh Or you could just have, like... 12 throwing knives (laughs) and just see where fate takes you (laughs) and that's what i did um 12 throwing knives 12 spades 12 javelins yeah uh, i'll definitely take a spade it's similar Uh, to be fair though primal um it had javelins but the throwing knife equivalent was stone shards and far cry does this really neat thing um i think it's done since far cry 3 it's it's always been like an upgrade and they've made it easier and easier to get hold of because it's really cool which is when you do a melee takedown on one person, if there are other people nearby, you can, like, throw knives at them or throw mm. stone shards at them. Um, and that's... uh It's also, like, a... It works just as well as a melee takedown. So it's, like... There are people in Far Cry Primal, if they have, like, a, a big bone mask, then you can't headshot them and they're resistant to all kinds of damage. But if you are taking down their friend and then you throw a stone shard at them, they're just always going to kill them. Mm. It's just, like... Because they want that to work, it's just always going to kill whoever you're, you're attacking, no matter what their armor and what their protection. Um, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I think there's a, the, for me, it's the sort
1: of the stealth game where you can, you can either kill them or you can, uh, uh trank them. <laughs> and like, I always trank because it feels bad to kill, <laughs> but the effect in the game is precisely the same broadly. <laughs> yeah. Like you might get extra points for not killing people or something at the end, but fundamentally the aesthetic is you don't kill them but the effect is the same within the level mm. and i think that's kind of like a like a cosmetic bit of dressing that kind of i can't resist
0: i'm a big fan of any form of shield bash <laughs> i don't know why it's because i mean i imagine it wouldn't necessarily be like this but most games that incorporate that as a kind of option for melee combat good kind of chunk it goes along with stun effects which are often my favourite parts of any yeah. I and mean, obviously those are, those are game effects are not purely cosmetic but there's something about the way games communicate A-donk. the logic of like this person's stunned now that yeah
2: I love how the shield works in Spelunky mm. which is like while you're carrying it you're just like a solid block of level. <laughs> if, if you walk into someone and you squish them between a, a wall and yourself, there's nothing that can survive that. You can just squish anything. Like, no matter how many hit points they have, it's just, well, I'm wall, that's wall, <laughs> you're fucked now.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, and like going um, so through obvious things for me, like any sense of velocity is the other thing. But that's that's I guess maybe a mechanical thing because you can't really create a sense of velocity without having a game where you go quickly. Well, <laughs> so uh, that is the- that is the cosmetic feeling that will get me to. Well,
1: there's a burnout invest. thing that apparently uh, in the earlier burnout games, and I'm sure that probably carries through to the later ones as well. That um, when you boost, you don't get a boost your percentage boost to your speed is nothing like what you think it is. It's like 110% or something. You know, it's like an extra 10% or something like that. But because they zoom the character, uh, the, the, the camera like the comes out zoom. and zooms forward slightly, yeah. and you get
0: yeah. zoomy lines going around the edge. You kind of think,
1: is it where you're going? wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm into that. That's, that's the way you get me. Yeah. Cool. Zoomy lines. Um, similarly, any uh, sort of platform of power up where you, go a bit faster and sparkle and different music plays <laughs> <Okay>.
1: <laughs> oh yeah like uh, just to correct myself there no the camera actually the, widens the view because it wants more oh, yeah. peripheral mm-hmm. stuff because it makes it feel huh. faster mm-hmm. sorry I should say no
0: no, no you're quite right
1: hmm.
0: well that is all of the questions we have time for this evening if you'd like to toot us a question <laughs> <laughs> Which is worth it just to make Alex make that noise. Uh, you can toot us at questions at com. You can also toot us on Twitter at creightoncrowbar. .toot. <laughs> no, ignore him. No, ignore him. Please ignore Don't the man. Ignore his lies. Yeah. <laughs> ignore the man with the flute. Um, you can also find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash creightoncrowbar. You can hang out with our community on our excellent discord channel, which you'll find Well, link for on our website at crateandcrowbar.com. And as ever, um, crateandcrowbar would not be possible without the people who very kindly toot us a little bit of money (laughs) every week, uh, via our Patreon. You find out details on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash crateandcrowbar. As ever, your donations are very, 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 very much appreciated. Um, I'm losing the ability to speak on account of the earlier flute related disaster. (laughs) I will, however, say that. In only a couple of weeks, we will be uh, attending uh, Resd in London Games event to do a live version of the podcast as we did last year on Saturday, the 14th of April at 4.30 p.m. somewhere in Rest, I'm not sure where exactly yet. It'll be Me, Tom Francis and Graham Smith and guests, hopefully. Um, and uh, yeah, and we will do the podcast live. You can ask questions and we'll go to the pub afterwards. And that'd be very nice. Do you need a ticket for the Saturday of Rest in order to attend um, but that also gives you access to obviously the whole show and all the talks and games you can play and and so on. <clears throat> if you would like to, uh, my voice is kind because <laughs> I, I've fucked up my lungs. You, you tooted, um, up the lungs. <laughs> tooted it up real bad, Alex. <laughs> if you'd like Some to follow us lungs. as individuals, you can find Alex on tutor at Toot doot. No, be serious. Rotational R O. T A T I O N A L. Sure, Tom. I'm at Pentadact. P-E-N-D-A-D-A-C-T And you can find me on Twitter, although I don't use it. <laughs> but you, I'm there anyway. <laughs> at C Thurston, which is C T H U R S T E N. If you'd like some silence, you can follow Chris. I <laughs> will <Yeah. laughs> occasionally tweet things I have written. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for well, listening, sorry. everybody. Do do.